Welcome to Novel Pairings, a podcast dedicated to making the classics readable, relevant, and fun. As two nerdy bookworms, we appreciate the role of classic lit, but we won't get too academic about it. We'll talk about the books we love and the books we loathe, and help stock your TBR pile with old and new reads for every literary taste. Today, we're pairing highly anticipated summer reads with backlist books across nearly all genres. Chelsea, I guess it's summer reading season. (laughs) It so is, Sarah. It feels like it came up really fast this year. It kind of feels like everyone geared up for summer reading season like in March. I think we were all just really eager to get here. Well, it's so funny because I, I think more and more I'm feeling like spring is such a great season for new books. Like so many fantastic works of like literary fiction, but also good contemporary fiction and some romances too, just come out in like tail end of February, March and April, which is awesome. I never used to think spring reading was a thing, but then it does feel like May, you turn the calendar on May and it's like, forget this, what's coming out this summer? (laughs) There are a lot of May releases, which we covered some in our spring anticipated books episode, and we'll cover just a couple here. But yeah, it just feels like April and May have been really, really rich with the new releases this year. Yeah, they have. And I honestly can't remember. Did we talk about Yellow Face by R.F. Kuang last episode? I don't think we did. I think that there were a couple of titles that we were like, mm, we're going to save these. And then that feels like so long ago since we recorded. But I don't think we talked about it. Have you read it since? Yes. I was going to say, even okay. if we did talk about it, <laughs> I hadn't well, read it then and I have read it now. I want to hear you talk about it because it's one that I certainly want to read this summer. Okay. You have to read it, Chelsea, because I have to talk about it with people. Um So the setup of Yellow Face by R.F. Kuang is that it's told from the perspective of a narrator named June. She is a white woman in her 20s who wants to be a writer. She is friends with this other writer named Athena Liu, who's Chinese-American. They went to college together. And I say friends with that pause in my voice because it's clear from the beginning that June really mostly feels just jealousy towards Athena, but they hang out sometimes. They live in the same, they live in Washington, D.C. And one night they're hanging out, they're drinking, and Athena dies in a chance accident. This is like pages into the book. (laughs) And uh, June decides in that moment to take Athena's latest manuscript that nobody has seen. And, you know, the manuscript deserves somebody to look at it, right? And like maybe finish it and edit it a little bit and nobody's going to see it. But then, you know, the manuscript, it deserves to be read, right? And so she sends it off. And of course, um, it becomes a huge hit. And things just kind of spiral, both spiral and like climb for June as the intensity of this book builds. If this book sounds a lot like the plot of The Plot by Jean Hanf Corlitz, yes, it's quite similar. 
But there's so much more commentary and nuance baked into Yellowface um, because of the question of the two um, authors in question's race, um, because of all of the, I mean, all of the gory details that Kwong puts into this book about the publishing industry, like Chelsea. I mean, she like names names, I feel like, when she talks about books that have like kind of done this sort of thing or oh boy. when she talks about um when she talks about a republican president's daughter who likes to put her sticker on books <laughs> um it is like kind of like my mouth was dropping at some of these moments of like I can't believe she put that in here um it was so fun such a wild ride but still gives you so much to think about and she does something brilliant here, which is that she doesn't put excerpts of the book mm. that the character wrote into because we book. hated the plot. Both yes. of us did. Exactly. And I, I use hated quite specifically. Like we hated that book. Mm-hmm. We did. Yes. And I was a little bit nervous about this one because of that. And I think that was one of the really smart things that RF Kuang does is like she does not give you pages and pages of this novel that the characters Mm -hmm. wrote. I will say it's a little repetitive, probably could have, probably could have been edited a little bit more of a novella, but still it's super fun, super fast paced. If you cannot deal with unlikable narrators or protagonists, this will be a struggle for you because June is the narrator and she does not have many redeeming qualities. Mm. But I think RF Kuang really captures her voice really well and does a lot of good with it. So uh, that's Yellow Face by RF Kuang. And if you're looking for a backlist pairing, another book I read last month. If you are looking for something to pair with Yellow Face, probably not before it comes out because it comes out on May 16th. <laughs> so it is out. But if you want something that is asking similar questions, but looking at it in a different setting, Disorientation by Elaine Elaine Xiao Chu. I looked up how to say her name earlier, Um, but now I feel like that's not right. Yeah, by Elaine Xiao Chu is fantastic. it is a campus satire. It also deals with authors who are not who they say they are um, and questions about Orientalism and like academic Orientalism and um, fetishization. And it's just really remarkable, but also a really fun and funny novel. So that's Disorientation. All right, Chelsea, what is your first anticipated read? All right, this one comes out May 30th. And I feel like it's not, I don't know, maybe not like my typical pick, but I was really drawn to the cover. And the first time that I read the synopsis, I was like, hmm, okay, I could get into that. And then I saw it on a couple different lists and I was like, maybe I'm being influenced, but I think I really want to read this book. It is about a legendary Chinese pirate queen. It's fiction. Um, but this young pirate queen named Shek, she sees her husband die. Um, he is like this really 
infamous pirate and a sailor kills him. Um, but she is like, okay, well, either I stand here frozen and I die or I act quickly. So instead of grieving her husband, she just moves forward. She marries her husband's second in command. She agrees, I will have a son with you. I will have a pirate heir with you. And in exchange, I can retain power over my half of all of our fleet of ships. Um, but she, like in this vying for power, of course, there are threats. She's not just going to take over and have everything be happily ever after. Um, so she is navigating new motherhood. Um, I guess that's kind of a spoiler that she does bear this pirate second in command, a son, um, or daughter. Um, and she is just like, running through all of these risks of motherhood and family and her fleet and power. Um, and I don't know, it just sounds really good. Like this portrait of a fierce woman in leadership. And it sounds a little bit like maybe it will be a good pairing, like bonus pairing for the big book that we're all reading together this summer. So I think that's what sealed the deal for me for this one. So it is Deep as the Sky, Red as the Sea by Rita Chang Epig. I am excited about that one too. And I um, saw it and went to go put it in our notes and it was already there, which is great. I, I'm really excited about it. Well, maybe we'll both end up reading this one and talk about it a little bit um, in a bonus episode then. I don't read a lot of pirate books, but a book that I have seen everywhere that is absolutely beloved by so many readers is The Adventures of Amina al-Sarafi. This is by S.A. Chakraborty. And um, again, stunning cover, really well-reviewed book. Um, but this is also about a ferocious pirate queen, <laughs> basically. Um, and... Yeah, that's about all I know about it, but I know that it's really well loved. I think that this one delves a little bit more into fantasy. Deep as the Sky, Red as the Sea didn't strike me as fantasy. It struck me more as um, like just historical fiction. Um, I didn't read any fantasy elements from the blurb, but who's to say? So, yeah, I I think that. I don't know. Any other pirate books would be a fun pairing. That's fun for summer. I don't really know any other pirate books either, but I did just look up that one and R.F. Kwong blurbed it. So there you go. Great connection. Well, perfect. There we have it. <laughs> Let's get into June, Sarah. All right. On June 6th, one of my favorite authors, Claire Fuller, is coming out with her newest novel. And this is another one that I have already read. And this is the last one that I've already read of what we're talking about today. It's called The Memory of Animals. And I've loved Fuller's books, Swimming Lessons and um, Unsettled Ground, both of which I would describe as quiet, introspective fiction. This is quiet, introspective fiction, but it is also a pandemic novel, not a COVID pandemic novel a like slightly near future 
um, not dystopian, but Black Mirror-ish kind of dystopian or pandemic novel. So our main character is Effie. She is a marine biologist who has recently gotten fired from her job and she needs money. And so she signs up for this vaccine trial for the current pandemic that's that's raging around the world. Um, and in this trial, she will be given the vaccine and then exposed to the virus. So it's very high risk. But she has her reasons for choosing to do this, all of which you discover in a very leisurely way throughout the course of, of the novel. Um, things don't go quite as planned. It ends up being kind of like she's kind of locked in this ward with a couple of other people as volunteers as the pandemic gets worse. Um, and she begins kind of reliving her memories of what brought her here, kind of some of the family things that she hasn't processed yet. Also, as an added element, she writes letters to an octopus throughout the book, whom she really connected with at her previous job at the aquarium. It all sounds like a little strange and silly, but Claire Fuller is like a, you know, she's a master writer and it all works together very well. There were some elements of this book that I thought, huh, I don't know how I feel about that choice. But overall, I just thought it was really strikingly beautiful and poignant. And the end, I'm still thinking about the end. So I think this will be a good one for anyone who's read and loved Claire Fuller in the past, but also for readers who tend to like a more kind of a a post-apocalyptic story. Um, I, I always feel bad for books that get compared to Station Eleven because nothing feels quite like Station Eleven. But I really feel like that's the closest comp here because it is a pandemic novel that's not really about a pandemic. It's about what's worth saving and and how to how we remain human in the wake of this kind of disaster. So it is The Memory of Animals by Claire Fuller, and it's out June 6th. Also out on June 6th is another standalone noirish Southern mystery by S.A. Cosby. It is All the Sinners Bleed. And if that author name sounds familiar, S.A. Cosby also wrote Razorblade Tears, which feels like it was everywhere um, over the last year or so. It was a very popular mystery novel. But this new one, All the Sinners Bleed, comes out on the 6th and uh, just heads up like all of the content warnings for this one. So the main character is Titus Crown, and he's a former FBI agent and security expert, and he moves back to his hometown to take care of his family. His father is ailing. He has a younger brother who's been getting into trouble. So he returns to the town primarily to help his family, but he runs for sheriff Um, And he becomes the first black sheriff in the history of the county. And his mission is really to make a difference in the black community, given the history of unfair treatment with law enforcement. So he becomes sheriff in the hopes to make changes and make things different. 
But exactly a year after he is elected, there is a school shooting and a teacher is killed by a former student. And um, a couple other things happen like in the escalation of the situation. But then Titus has to investigate. And as the investigation unfolds, it becomes clear that there were other things happening at the school that come to light. Um, And so Titus is trying to track down a killer and solve this investigation. Meanwhile, he's also sheriff of this county. And just because there was a horrific incident doesn't mean that all of the other stuff that he's dealing with stops. So he's trying to deal with Confederate pride marchers. He's trying to deal with what it's like to be a black sheriff in the South um, or anywhere in America, frankly. And so, of course, the book that comes to mind, and I think every summer reading, Sarah, I'm just going to try and find a book that pairs with Bluebird, Bluebird by (laughs) Attica Locke because I love that book so much. But Bluebird, Bluebird by Attica Locke is about a um, black Texas ranger and he is experiencing um, some similar things moving back to his hometown, kind of struggling with the treatment he faces in this hometown versus how he was treated elsewhere, struggling with his career, struggling with issues around his race, and solving a really intense mystery. So if you like those kind of like really atmospheric, frankly, like violent um, mysteries that don't hold back on the page. I think All the Sinners Bleed by S.A. Cosby and Bluebird, Bluebird by Attica Locke would be a great pairing for summer. All right. My next book is also out June 6th. What a day. It is. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, my next one is My Murder by Katie Williams. And this doesn't necessarily sound like my kind of book, but the cover and the fact that it's out from Riverhead make me feel like it's maybe a little bit more literary and heavy on the themes than the plot description kind of makes it sound. So um, also this is a book about a character named Lou who is murdered. So I might not really not be able to read it. And Lou is the mother of a toddler. So... We'll see. But um, there's a serial killer uh, who who murders, I think, five or six women. Lou is one of them. There, this is, again, near future, and there is a government project that can clone people and bring them back. I don't know, based on this description, if, like, how how that works, if you are a victim of a violent crime, if you get to be brought back, or if it is something about Lou is special and therefore um, she gets to come back. But she comes back and she is, quote, grateful for the second chance. But it seems like maybe she doesn't quite remember what happened to her. She's trying to settle back into her life. And she goes to the support group with the other victims of this serial killer as they try to process and readjust to life having been brought back. And I think it becomes a mystery where she tries to figure out um, because the crime is still unsolved. It's described as darkly comic, full of surprises um, that 
there are that it's kind of a genre commentary. But I what I think could be compelling for me is it sounds like a weird kind of <laughs> it sounds like a book that's maybe a weird analogy for motherhood. And those tend to work for me. I really like Chouette. I really like Night Bitch. Those books are also dark and the premises are weird, but they're they're very resonant because they work on this meta level. I don't know if that will be the case for this, but that is my hope. Um, if that's the case, Chouette and Night Bitch are great pairings. Otherwise, it also reminds me of The Echo Wife by Sarah Gailey. Um, so that could be a good pairing if you hear this premise and you think like a, a thriller involving clones sounds interesting. Check out The Echo Wife by Sarah Gailey. And then this new one is My Murder by Katie Williams. Out on May 13th is Banyan Moon by Tao Tai. And I first heard of this book when I was at the J. Ryan Stradle book event a couple weeks ago. And the owner of Boswell Books in Milwaukee brought up this book because they were going to have an event with Tao Tai about this book. And he just raved about it. And Sarah, have you heard of this one? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, there's a gothic house. Oh, so okay. Put it I'm on your list. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is a book told in three points of view, a daughter, a mother, and the matriarch, a grandmother. So it's an intergenerational story of three Vietnamese American women. And not a spoiler, just happens at the very beginning of the book. The matriarch dies and not only does she leave behind this inherited house, but a lot of secrets as well. So um, when the grandmother passes, Anne, the youngest main character, has to leave her perfect boyfriend and her perfect life that she has crafted and return home to Florida with her estranged mother in order to get all of her grandmother's stuff in order and figure out all of this um, inheritance. So they are rebuilding their relationship while also you learn about Min's story, the matriarch, the grandmother, um, about her going from a teenager in the shadow of the Vietnam War to a young mother immigrating to America. Um, and in the Banyan House's attic, so that's the like gothic big house that they are examining in Florida. In the Banyan House's attic, there are a bunch of secrets that these women uncover. So this sounds really good, like a sweeping intergenerational story. And um, of course, like I said, there is this element of this gothic house and secrets emerging. I, there are so many books I think that would work well as backlist pairings, but there is another summer book about intergenerational family secrets and stories connecting mothers and daughters and grandmothers. And it's out at the end of August. So August 30th 
is Family Lore by Elizabeth Acevedo. And this is Elizabeth Acevedo's adult debut. And this book is about um, Floor, and she has a gift. She can predict when someone is going to die. Um, And so she foresees someone's death. Um, she has all of these sisters and she doesn't want to tell anyone about whose death is whose. There is infidelity. There is um, like sibling drama. And then there's another generation and um, they are dealing with drama of their own. So there's all of this intergenerational stuff happening here um, focused on the the women main characters um, but this book spans just three days prior to the wake. And so it's around death and grief and grappling with family secrets and um, matriarchs of the family making do with one another. Um, and so I think that these two will really hit the right notes for readers who love those intergenerational family stories. Um, family lore, I think, has a few magical elements that Banyan Moon does not. I'm not saying that they pair exactly plot-wise or even thematically. I just think that the same reader will love both of these books. So that is Banyan Moon by Tao Tai out on uh, June 13th. And then Family Lore by Elizabeth Acevedo out at the end of August, August 30th. Oh, exciting. All right, my next book is out June 13th. It is Loot by, I think it's Tania James. I tried to look up the author, uh, the pronunciation of her name, and my internet isn't working well enough (laughs) to play me a YouTube video and record this Zoom at the same time. So um, I was gifted a copy of this book by A.A. Knopf and was immediately struck by the cover. It is bright orange with loot and big purple letters and a a tiger jumping through it. This is historical fiction. It's set in 18th century about a young man named Abbas. He's 17 years old when the book starts and he is um, a gifted artist. He carves, carves wood and he, um, his gift is noticed by a very, very wealthy and powerful family who brings Abbas into their service. And he carves them all of these, um, stunning, um, pieces of art for their home, including a wooden tiger. This tiger Um, sort of takes on a life of its own, it sounds like. Um, Abbas meets a French clockmaker who kind of helps him hone his craft and make his his gifts even more magical. But the home of the family who Abbas worked for is looted by British forces, hence the title Loot. And Abbas has to rescue his tiger, um, who's now captive in Britain. So I think there will be a lot in here about stolen art, um, about colonialism. And it just sounds so creative and 
It Sounds Beautiful. It's blurbed by Maggie O'Farrell. Um, so it gives me kind of the sense of what kind of tone of literary fiction or historical fiction we might have here. And I think it would pair really well with The Bird King by G. Willow Wilson, which also has a stunning cover and is a beautiful epic story about a um, a magical-ish, mystical map maker who um, is taken under protection of a big and powerful family and then wants to escape that family. I love The Bird King. It takes a lot of attention to read, maybe more so than some more lighthearted fantasy, but I thought it was absolutely stunning. And um, I highly recommend it if if the premise of either it or loot sounds good to you. So loot's out um, June 13th, and I cannot wait to read it. All right. One more on June 13th is Wannabe Reckoning with the Pop Culture That Saved Me by Aisha Harris. And Aisha Harris, that name might sound familiar because she is one of the hosts of NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. And I really typically like her commentary on TV and movies. I think that she balances um, being a little sassy at times with like just such smart commentary, um, social commentary, and um, just a, an unabashed love for pop culture on the show. And so I think that this is going to be a really fun essay collection. And it's basically just talking about all of her favorite 90s and early aughts pop culture that she grew up with, grappling with a lot of the themes, and then winding those around personal stories and lessons and this kind of social commentary that you might hear her talk about on the podcast. And so things like, I mean, Wannabe right away, you know, she's going to have an essay about Spice Girls, um, about Clueless and other teen comedies. And um, it's described as a book that feels like hanging out with your smart, hilarious, pop culture obsessed friend. And that sounds like perfect summer reading to me. So I'm excited to probably listen to that one on audio. And there, Sarah, I feel like this is a major trend in publishing, actually, all of these pop culture inspired memoirs where writers are taking a look at all of the pop culture millennial writers, I should say, are taking a look at all of the pop culture that is now like resurfacing and becoming so iconic on the internet and making us all feel old and grappling with the effects that it had on us. Sarah, I feel like there are so many pop culture memoirs coming out by millennials who are specifically talking about the 90s and early aughts. Kate Kennedy's, I think, is coming out in the fall. I'm saying so many, but I can think of, you know, like four, <laughs> but That's still, a lot. yeah. Um, and one that I read within the last couple of years and really liked is by an internet pal of mine, Jordan Calhoun. He wrote Piccolo is Black and Jordan is a huge video game and anime and cartoon nerd um, and an avid reader, which is how we connected over books. 
And this is his memoir about growing up in Detroit as a young black kid who rarely saw himself in his entertainment. Um, but he was really good at picking up on black coated characters in his like Saturday morning cartoons, like the gargoyles, um, which is where the title comes from. And so Jordan writes about that. He writes about music and, um, just other pop culture things that got him through his coming of age experience. And it's framed by this experience growing up in an extremely religious household, moving from um, an all black school to a mostly white school associated with um, his parents' new religious experiences. And it's just really good. It's kind of, so it's not framed as a memoir in essays, I don't think. Um, There is like an overarching narrative, but you can definitely read each chapter as an essay. And I like how he weaves his story together with the pop culture. So that is Piccolo is Black by Jordan Calhoun. And I think it would pair great with Wannabe by Aisha Harris. Okay. Two quick comments about that. Maybe three. I love pop culture happy hour. I love Aisha Harris. Did you know that she's uh, Zakaya Del- Delilah Harris's sister. I think I who did. Who wrote The Other Black Girl. Yeah. Yeah. So love that literary connection. And I then know. somewhat unrelated, but while you were talking, I felt like I needed to say, have you heard the rumors that Taylor Swift is, has a memoir coming out on July 9th? I have. And I don't think it's Taylor Swift. Who do you think it is? The articles that I read said that it's BTS. Those are the two like ones that I've heard, yeah. seen seen like the most credible. Here's why I don't think it's Taylor Swift. The plug for this memoir was specifically it's fun and not political. And not that I think that Taylor Swift would write a political memoir, but I think she would be talking about way too many gender politics for it to be specifically plugged and promoted as apolitical. And fun, even. And fun. I don't think that her memoir is going to be a great hang. Have you listened to her songs? Come on. Okay, well, Um, I guess we'll know a month before. Yeah. If it would be like a compend, like, it doesn't seem like a memoir. There are a bunch of photo spreads and things in the description too. Mm-hmm. So if it's something from Taylor Swift, I don't think it's a memoir. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a Like money a compendium grab. of her. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's like her middle name, right? Uh, Taylor, money grab, Swift. <laughs> I mean, good for her. <laughs> yeah. Good for whoever is putting out this uh, one million print run. I, yeah, I mean, I'm fascinated. Yeah. Everyone loves a literary mystery, so mm-hmm. it'll be fun to find out. All right. I think you have another uh, book you're excited about coming out in June. I do. So this is, quote, a cinematic debut set in the American West about a scrappy orphan bent on making her own luck and finding friendship, romance, and her true calling along the way. It's also described as a queer feminist subversive and good old fashioned freight train of an adventure story. This is Lucky Red by Claudia Cravens. 
and it sounds so good. So it takes place in 1877 and features a 16-year-old named Bridget. She arrives dirt poor in Dodge City, and she's recruited to work at Buffalo Queen, the only brothel in town run by women. Um, And so she's feeling kind of stable in this new life of hers, but then there are some people from out of town that arrive and bring danger with them, including a legendary female gunfighter who steals Bridget's heart. This sounds so good. Um, And I think that anyone who read Lonesome Dove and is really intrigued by the Western genre should pick this one up. And Sarah, I think it would pair great with a book that you specifically recommended to me, and it is on my summer TBR stack, A Dangerous Business by Jane Smiley. Oh, it does sound like a perfect pairing for that. And also A Dangerous Business, I think will be a great summer read. Missed Opportunity by them last year because it came out in December. It was less literary than, you know, end of typical. Yeah. Yeah. So hmm, I'm excited about Lucky Red. Yeah, I suspected that you might be. (laughs) The cover is really cool as well. So that's a bonus for a fun summer read. That one's out on the 20th, I forgot to say. All right, looking forward to that. My final June anticipated release is The Rachel Incident by Carolyn O'Donohue. And... This book, first of all, the cover looks a lot like the cover of My Last Innocent Year, which came out earlier this year. It's like a a woman's face kind of seen from the side with like her hair hanging down. I always feel bad for books when the covers are so similar because I think that like people subconsciously think like, oh, I've read that book or I've I've heard of that yeah. book. I know it. <laughs> um, so... I, I'm really excited about this one. It is about a um, young woman, a college student named Rachel, and her gay best friend, James. Um, and they um, they deeply love each other. And I love books. I've been really enjoying friendship books lately. But Rachel has a huge crush on her married professor. And yeah, Chelsea's face. <laughs> And James um, is going to help Rachel get what she wants. The thing is, Rachel's not really sure what she wants. She, lo- you know, she thinks she loves this idea of having this, you know, sexy affair with her professor. But as things maybe start to get closer to that, she's really not sure that's actually who she is and and what she wants. Um, but it's kind of been this like bonding thing with James, and it it takes them into unexpected places. The two of them end up getting entangled with the professor Fred and his uh, his wife. It's set in Ireland and it sounds so much like Conversations with Friends by Sally Rooney that that's what I have to give as my backlist pairing. And it honestly makes me a little hesitant because I just, I, I love and adore Conversations with Friends. But I am wondering, like, have I read this book already? What's going to be kind of new here? But I really loved Carolyn O'Donohue's YA book, All Our Hidden Gifts, this year, which is a um, book set at an all-girls high school. Um, There's a little bit of magic. And I just, 
I thought that the two, the two things I really loved about that book were the humor and the way she portrayed friendship. Like I, I, I love in that book that the main character Maeve, she's not a mean girl and she's not, um, she's not a total outcast. She's like, she's a girl who wants to be liked by the popular kids and, and doesn't know how to make that happen and kind of hurts people along the way, which I think is a very common high school friendship experience. And she captured it beautifully. And so I'm really excited to see what she does with the friendship narrative in this adult novel. So um, that is The Rachel Incident. And even if you feel like you've read this book before because it has a similar cover and a similar premise to some other things, maybe give it a try. I, I can tell you definitively that Carolyn O'Donohue's writing is really excellent. And that's out June 27th. I had not put together that that was the same author. I, I have <laughs> Rachel I Incident in my neck, Yellow yeah, like I just, I ne- never put that together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I had to look it up. I was like, because also yeah. I feel like Carolyn O'Donohue is probably like a fairly common Irish name, Sure. But it, it is the same author. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's get into July here, Sarah. This is perhaps my most anticipated book of the summer. I read it in December, and I have not stopped thinking about it since, and I am obsessed with everyone else reading it so that we can talk about it because it's one of those um, WTF that ending books, and I'm like, I'm dying for you to read this one, Sarah. Okay. It is The Center by Aisha Manazir Siddiqui, and it is from um, Zando books, which is a new imprint. And I've been really liking the stuff that they've been putting out. This one is about translation and language and cultural appropriation. And I would describe it as a literary thriller. So it features Anissa and she dreams of translating great literature. Right now she subtitles Bollywood movies from her little London flat. And she's dating like this mediocre guy, but this guy learns languages seemingly out of the blue. And so he learns to speak Urdu to impress her parents. And she's like, wait, you never knew how to speak that before. What's going on here? So he tells her about this secret, exclusive, elite, invite-only program called The Center where he goes and he learns a new language within like two weeks and you have to be recommended to go. So him telling her is his recommendation. So she's like, okay, I'll enroll. He becomes her ex-boyfriend, but she's ready to enroll in this new institute, right? So she enrolls and she's there to learn German. And she's like, this experience is a little weird, but she emerges from the center fluent in German, and becomes a great translator. Becoming a great translator is not enough for her. She wants more success. She goes back for more languages, and things emerge and get not so great, not so normal at the center. She kind of falls in with the manager. Um, The thing that I love about this book is the narrative voice and the structure. It's something that, like, I liked as I was reading it and I knew there was a reason why it was set up that way and why it was being told that way. But at the end, it all clicks into place 
There are some really great reveals in here. It's eerie, but there's also kind of like a darkly funny comic twist to it in some cases. Um, and it's just got some really discussable themes. So that's The Center by Aisha Manazir Siddiqui. And another really popular book that is about translation and cultural appropriation is Babel by R.F. Kuang. And I think that they would make a really interesting pairing. Babel is also on my summer TBR stack. So I like having some of these pairings like already set up for me in my reading life where I read a book prior and then, or I'm looking forward to a book. And I also know I have this backlist book that I'm looking forward to reading. So yeah, I'm really excited for everyone to read this one, Sarah. And I can't wait to talk about it because there's so much to discuss. This would be a fantastic book club pick. Oh, I'm really excited. I, I requested it on NetGalley at the end of last year when you uh, were raving about it, but I haven't read it yet. And right now I am like elbows deep in backlist for my summer reading guide, but I can't wait to read. read you might answer. as well just like, just wait for the hardcover. Maybe Zando mm. will send it to you because mm. the cover is gorgeous. The UK cover, bleh, ick, okay. yuck. It's not, not cute. <laughs> The U.S. cover, All right. beautiful, stunning, perfect. Can't wait. All right. My next one is something that I think will be of particular interest to novel pairings listeners. It's called Half-Life of a Stolen Sister, which is a great title. I don't know what it means. <laughs> and if you look at the cover, you will immediately think, hmm, I think I've seen this image before. And you have, because on the cover is um, a portrait, the portraits of the three Bronte sisters. This is a book about Charlotte, Emily, Anne, and Branwell. And I am very curious about this. It is fiction, but it is being described as a form-shattering novel that melds biographical fact with unruly invention to illuminate the siblings' genius, their bonds of love and duty, periods of furious creativity, and the ongoing tolls of illness, isolation, and loss. So I am fascinated to see what this book is going to be doing and like the why of what it's doing. Um, I really like the, the, description does not tell much about the story itself. Um, I think it will delve pretty deeply into their imaginary, the Bronte's imaginary world of Glasstown and how they um, kind of use that as a jumping off point for their literary careers. Um, here's another little blurb from the back cover. Chapter by chapter, the novel brings together diaries, letters, home movies, television and radio interviews, deathbed monologues, and fragments from the sprawling invented worlds of the siblings' childhood. I just, I am baffled by this description and I must get my hands on it. Um, very interested in reading this. Because I do not have a firm grasp on what this book is, it's hard to come up with a backlist pairing. So I'm going to quickly throw out three. One is uh, Glass Town, which is a graphic novel 
kind of telling the story of this, the Bronte siblings' imaginary world. One is Charlotte Bronte, A Fiery Heart by Claire Harmon, which is a fantastic biography of Charlotte. And if you want to read something very much grounded in fact before you pick up this experimental book, that's the one I would recommend. And then the other is um, The Mad Woman Upstairs by Catherine Lowell, which is a kind of fun uh, literary mystery about a woman who is um, a descendant of the Brontes who shows up at Oxford to study the Brontes. And um, it ends up being a lot about Anne Bronte, who is kind of the undersung of the, the siblings. And so this is a fun novel version of maybe learning a little bit more about Anne and uh, Branwell if you want to do that before diving into this new book, Half-Life of a Stolen Sister by Rachel Cantor, which comes out July 11th. I don't have any commentary. (laughs) No commentary. (laughs) It sounds really good, but like, that's all I have to say. It's, it's fascinating. I I love, you know, I love like a unique form and structure, so I'm interested, but that's one that I think I'm just going to like let you investigate first (laughs) and then I'll figure it out. (laughs) Fair enough. It sounds like it could be a mess or it could be awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. My, uh, my next anticipated release comes out July 18th. It is called History's Angel by Anjum Hassan. And um, this is a book about a man in his middle age. He lives in uh, India and he teaches, he's a history professor. And um, he kind of, he, he loves, um, he loves like the big picture of history, trying to get his students to see um, the, you know, the, big picture causes and effects, the ebbs and flows of history and how it's affecting contemporary India and the lives as their lives as they are experiencing them. He is dealing with a lot. Um, his teenage son wants to quit school to get rich. He um, isn't getting on well with his colleagues who are suspicious of him because he is Muslim and he's teaching India's history and they feel like maybe he doesn't have a quote unquote right to do so. He has a best friend who's experiencing kind of a midlife crisis that involves a romantic entanglement that um, Alif, our main character, is not so sure about, mostly because he has always been interested in that woman. And so just a lot's happening in his personal and his professional life. Um, Alif does something, uh, makes a mistake with a student. And not a, it's not a affair or anything like that. It's, um, I don't, the back cover does tell you, but I'm not going to give it away. But because of the religious undertones of Alif being Muslim and the student being Hindu, it leads to catastrophe for Alif at work. This book is described as darkly funny and sharply observed. I love books that kind of take a look at, um, at campus settings and academia in a way that's not necessarily romanticizing it. Like I think a lot of, I love a good campus novel that, you know, romanticizes the college experience, but there's just like a lot of satire to be found in the way academic hierarchy works 
And I've always enjoyed books that do that. So um, this is History's Angel. It's out July 18th. And it really um, reminds me in its premise of a book I loved from uh, 2020 called Members Only by Samir Pendaya, which is a book about um, a a man named Raj. He is an immigrant living in the U.S. and he um, he's married to a white woman. They have kids. They belong to this tennis club where Raj is the only person of color. And he is so excited to be on the interview committee for his tennis club because he wants to find another family of color to let into his very exclusive club. But he makes a mistake at the interview (laughs) and then things begin to spiral. Um, He's also a college professor. He um, gets kind of skewered by some students as he makes some missteps. It just sounds, it sounds very similar, but with one being set in the U.S. and one being set in India, I think it will be a really interesting comparison um, to see kind of how these two authors from different different backgrounds explore this space. So that was um, Members Only by Samir Pandaya paired with History's Angel by Anjum Hassan out July 18th. Oh, that sounds really good. Uh, Sarah, something that I didn't put on the list here because I just found out about it, I think yesterday. Did you know that Peter Heller has a new book coming out this summer? No. (laughs) I don't know if I'm excited about it or not. (laughs) Yeah. I think he's going to be an every summer kind of guy. I'm not excited about that. I don't think that's a good, maybe it's a good move for Peter Heller, but I don't feel like it's a good move for um, me as a reader. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, this so here's the thing. I always like the premise of his books. And then I read them and I'm like, was that too pretentious for me? Like, do I like reading this Mm -hmm. male author? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I liked The River well enough. Um, And I liked the guide. Like, I couldn't put it down. Um, Okay, so this one is, uh, what's the title? The Last Ranger. And it's set in Yellowstone National Park, um, and it features an uh, enforcement ranger with the National Park Service. And uh, let's see what happens. Um, he encounters a tall man with a dog and a gun chasing a small black bear up a hill. And then what begins as an investigation to the background of a local poacher soon turns into something far murkier. Honestly, like, I think Curtis will love this one. I think my husband will love this one. He really likes Peter Haller's books. Um, But I wonder if he's going to, like, really lean into that, like, kind of these are books for dudes kind of deal, which is fine. Um, But so this one I'm not super intrigued by. But in uh, next summer, so I told you he's going to be a one summer Every, we already know what we're getting next book. summer. Yep. <laughs> next summer, he has a book coming out called Burn, and it's about two men, friends since boyhood, who emerge from the woods of rural Maine to a dystopian country racked by bewildering violence. I'm more intrigued by him writing a dystopian novel than another wilderness mystery, I think. 
Okay, well, I think my issue with the guide was that it almost verged into dystopian novel. And I didn't like that bait and switch. So, and like it couldn't be one thing. It, It couldn't do both things well. Yes. It couldn't do both things well and include all of the pretentious imagery about fly fishing that he <laughs> insisted on including. Um, maybe if he had taken or the co- the literary co- oh, his all of his characters have to like love really pretentious books and talk <laughs> about them throughout the, his book. Um, we get it, Peter Heller. You read a lot of books in between yeah. writing all of your books. To me, it sounds like the Last Ranger could verge into that category when you said that things become far murkier. I don't know about anything murky <laughs> happening. Yeah, I don't know. But maybe like a like a committed, full-fledged dystopian novel would be better for me. I think I'll probably end up reading it um, just because I'll want to discuss it with Curtis and then, I don't know, I'm just, I'm curious. I'm curious I like the cover his, of The Last Ranger. Yeah, and I like a wilderness mystery, so even if it annoys me in some aspects, it might just be a good, solid summer read. So that's out August 1st. Um, Sarah, I think you should talk about another book out August 1st that's like, we've just, we have to throw it out. Yes. Well, breaking news over here, <laughs> novel pairings. <laughs> Anne Patchett has a new book coming out <laughs> August 1st. Um I I love Ann Patchett. Um although I I <laughs> I'm a little afraid of her. I feel like she's somebody who's just what? like, yeah. Well, have you read These Precious Days? Not yet. That is um her one of her memoirs and essays and essay collections, and it's beautiful. But I feel like Ann Patchett is a story collector. Like if you end up being buddies with Ann Patchett, she might turn you into a novel character and she will do so, I think, you know, not ruthlessly, but like no holds barred, (laughs) which she kind of, she actually talks about that in These Precious Days because the first essay is about the three sort of father figures in her life and how she, she once, she waited for, them all to pass away and then wrote Commonwealth um, and very much inspired by that. So, so I'm like, not that she would be super interested in my life, but <laughs> I feel like I would have to keep a wall up if I ever met Ann Patchett. Um, but I'm super excited about Tom Lake. Um, it, first of all, the cover is absolutely stunning. It's so pretty. It's so pretty. Um, and it is about a woman named Laura and it is the spring of 2020. I, I believe that we are in the actual spring of 2020, a pandemic setting and, um, they return home to Northern Michigan and Laura, their mom starts telling them about, um, this famous actor who she knew long before she you know, met their father, married him and began the life that her daughters know about. So I I think that this is mostly a historical fiction, even though it has the framing of somebody kind of looking back from, from the present. It sounds, I, I, I mean, Anne Patchett just tells a fantastic, complicated family story in a way that 
is doesn't feel overly dramatic, even though there are like really emotional, inciting incidents. And this sounds beautiful in in that regard. Um, she has said, Ann Patchett has said in her wonderful Instagram stories, and if you're not following her bookstore, Parnassus, on Instagram, definitely do that because she gives great book recommendations twice a week, that reading the play Our Town by Thornton Wilder before reading Tom Lake could help you appreciate some things in Tom Lake more than you would without having read it. So um, that's the pairing straight from the author. I probably will do that because it's it doesn't take very long to read a contemporary play. Um, so yeah, Tom Lake, Our Town. Can't wait for this new Ann Patchett. But I'm never right. telling her about my personal life. <laughs> no. <laughs> when you two become besties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Sarah. You know I love a funny memoir in essays. And mm-hmm. um, our Eric Thomas has one coming out in August. I'm so excited. I loved, loved, loved Here For It, which is more of a coming-of-age memoir in essays. This one is titled, Congratulations, The Best Is Over, with an exclamation mark. <laughs> and it's just, it's, he's so snarky and sarcastic, and I just love his sense of humor. It comes across on the page so well. And this one is maybe more about returning home um, and features his hometown of of Baltimore prominently. And that's all I really have to say about it. I love his writing style. I think if you like funny essays by like Jenny Lawson or Samantha Irby, um, any of those humor writers, you've got to read our Eric Thomas. And I've heard um, from good sources, that his new one is even better than here for it. So that is congratulations. The best is over. I am excited for that one. I will be waiting for the audio. Yeah. But, he's yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. So good at reading his work. Well, that concludes our anticipated summer reads. That's not, that's not it. Like this list we carefully honed <laughs> to yes. share with all of you. But you know we're going to be reading other Buzzy Books of Summer. We'll be sharing some of those reviews on Patreon. As soon as Sarah reads The Center, I'm going to make her record an episode about it with me. Um, and yeah, we'll be sharing in all the places about what we're reading this summer. But if you want to hear some of those bonus episodes, join us on Patreon. We have some really exciting things planned for this summer in our Patreon community. And we are really, we're like really going all in on this thing. Like we've got big plans for novel pairings for the fall. We consider this a significant part of our work and careers. And so your support on Patreon makes that happen for us allows us to secure childcare and all the things that we need to make this show and keep making it better. So we would love to see you on Patreon. You can just go to patreon.com slash novel pairings. We always have a link in the show notes and we would love to reach more listeners and share our nerdiness with them. We need your help to do this. So here are three free ways to show novel pairings some love on the internet. You can write a review on Apple Podcasts. Yes, that makes a difference. We've been falling in the charts, but every time that someone writes a review, we climb back up. How does it work? 
can't tell you exactly, but I know that for sure. Um, two, you can share novel pairings on your social media platform of choice in your Instagram stories or in a post about your favorite podcasts. Or you can also share novel pairings if you have a blog. We're happy to answer interview questions via email. Um, and it's always fun to see our show on a list of podcasts posted on the internet. So um, you can reach us at novelpairingspod at gmail.com. And the best place to go for our announcements, including what's happening this summer, is our free email newsletter, novelpairings.substack.com. We have made some exciting announcements about summer plans over on Patreon and our newsletter is the next place we will be sharing all of that. So make sure you are signed up to know about all of the literary goodness coming your way this summer. Thank you to Miles Eichner and Mark Anderson for our theme music. Next time, we'll be back with an episode discussing The Wild Book by Juan Villaro. Until then, we declare after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How much sooner one tires of anything than of a book.